The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Back to Fantasy Sports today. It is hour number two of the show. Craig Mitchell along with Joe Ranieri and David Cantor. Always one of the best in the business, not just representing clients, but doing interviews as well. I had a feeling 17 minutes wasn't going to be enough for David. So we bring him back for another segment here on the show. He's been gracious enough to give us mm-hmm. his time in the midst of the upcoming uh, NFL draft. Uh, back to football a minute, away from, you know, because everyone, David, they can watch the coronavirus stuff all over TV. We're trying sure. to give people some, some, uh, some, you know, respite from that. I from can't sports. believe so, how disgusting he made NFL players. Like, thank goodness. I know. Players are clean, I know. We'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> um, so, I don't so think the players can edit it out. <laughs> so, so here, here's where I would go with this, because I think that for the draft and for our focus, when we're doing the draft on Thursday night, a lot of people are basically saying, David, that the draft itself among players, not one that you represent, of course, he's represented by Lee Steinberg, and that's Tua. A lot of folks feel that that first round, that first 10, 15 picks is going to be determined based on where he falls. And, and look, as much information that, that you would want to share with us, we'd love it. If not, we also understand that. But the question that I would really have for you is, because of the nature of injuries and because the Dolphins – what we, at least of what we heard, have not been able to uh, fully work him out or fully get him to a point where they normally would have had the coronavirus not taken over this world. Should that be a discussion? Is that even a topic that's fair to discuss as we head into the draft on Thursday? Sure. So obviously Tua is the largest question mark in, in modern draft memory for me. I don't necessarily know a player that you now see these stories last week that he's dropping massively down boards and, you know, again, throw out everything you're hearing. The only people that know are Brian Flores and Chris Brew. And, and I would assume, in all honesty, I don't even know if at this point in time they've told Steve Ross what they're going to do. And I mean that in all sincerity. Today's Monday. Draft is Thursday. A lot of things can happen this week. A lot of things can happen between now and 8 p.m. when the first overall pick is taken, you know, Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals. Here, here's what I will say. Tua is going to be the pick for the Miami Dolphins, in my opinion. You have Ryan Fitzpatrick under contract. 
You have a player that has an injury from what I understand. I'm not a doctor. I didn't do the surgery. I'm not his agent. That is healed. There are a thousand players out of the 2000 in the NFL that have an injury. The minute that a player takes a snap in the National Football League, they're 100% injury prone. Everyone in football gets hurt. This is Dante Culpepper, Drew Brees all over again. And if you're Chris Greer and you're the Miami Dolphins and you know me and you know you, we've lived here most of our lives. I grew up in a Dan Marino jersey practically and go drive, driving down the Orange Bowl every game, never missed a Hurricane game or a Miami Dolphin game. There are, they are dying for a franchise-caliber quarterback. You have the luxury of having an ownership group that understands it's a three-year plan. This is year two of the Brian Flores three-year plan. You draft Tua, whether it's a three, whether it's a five, wherever you draft him, you draft him. He's not ready to play. He might not have a football season. He might get six more months of healing, and we might not start the football season until Thanksgiving. We might not start the football season until January. We might not have a season. Who knows in the ever-changing day-to-day of coronavirus. So with COVID-19, you've got an extra two, three, four months maybe of the player healing. You've got doctors already saying that he's ready to go and can play a game now. And you've got a massive win factor that other players at his position just don't have. You've got the Lamar Jackson factor with Tua that you don't have with Justin Herbert and that you're not going to get because you're not going to get Joe Burrow. If you know in your building that is your face of your franchise for six, eight, ten years, take them. What's the downside risk? That you were wrong? They've been wrong every year for the last 35 years, right? (laughs) I mean, literally, they have Josh Rosen on the roster. They've got Ryan Fitzpatrick on the roster. They can wait for Tua to be healthy. And every quarterback runs the risk of major season or career-ending injury. Every player does on every snap. It's a collision sport. So at the end of the day, if that's your guy, and I do believe in my heart of hearts, and I don't know this from any inside information, no one in the building has said to me, oh, Tua, yeah. Brian Flores lives 10 houses from me in my neighborhood. And I see him almost every day walking around the neighborhood. And he has his earbuds in and he nods and he keeps on walking. And, you know, once in a while, we'll talk for two seconds. But he's certainly not saying to me, oh, by the way, David, you know, I work for Bill Belichick, notoriously one of the most, you know, private people in the history of pro football, Mr. Secretive. You know, we're going to take two or we're trading down to get Herbert. No, no, of course, that's, they don't care about David Canner and my opinion. But I do believe that if you think, a year from now, this is the guy that can win a Super Bowl. This is the guy that can put the franchise on his back. You take him. Now, I don't know whether or not that's to them. It's Burrow 1 and Herbert 2 and 2 and 3. Then, obviously, I'm wrong. But I believe 2 is their guy. He comes from Nick Saban. He comes from Alabama. He's one of the winningest quarterbacks in, in high school and college history. And, yes, he had a serious injury. But from what I understand, so did a thousand other guys in the NFL. Yeah, yeah Devin, I got to ask you, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad um, that we had you on here today because this week has been fascinating from a few standpoints leading into this draft, not with just the kids coming out of college, getting ready to start as pros, but 
some of the existing pros. And this week we actually, and I'm wondering from an agent's point of view, is it ever a smart idea to get into a Twitter war with a owner uh, in public? Because no. Yanni and, and, and uh, Mr. Khan there, or Tony Khan rather, the co-owner of the, the Jags, um, that was priceless. That was some of the best back and forth I've seen on social media. But again, from and all I can think about is where is this dude's agent? Like, why is he taking this to social media? How hard is that in this day and age to try and uh, convey that to your clients that, guys, it, you know, before you hit the send button, man, think about what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, that is, you know, the modern era of representing players. I've done this for more than half my life. I'm 47. I know I don't look a day over 60. Uh, I'm 47. I've done this for 20. This is my 25th year of representing players. Um, and so, you know, obviously we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have text messaging when I started. We didn't have cell phones. I, mean, I had a pager uh, back in the day. And then I got the big white, you know, monster phone that was like, you know, this big. <laughs> this is a this is a, a highlighter for my work. But, you know, the phone was like that big. And so, you know, what what happened today, to be honest with you, was mind blowing. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty close with David Caldwell. Uh, I, I consider Tony Khan a, a friend. I think I've got four, three or four guys on the Jaguars right now, uh, and they do play the same position as Yannick. I've never met, I've never spoken to Yannick, and obviously there's a lot of emotions when you get the franchise tag. Uh, I've been dealing with it for 20-plus years. My first franchise tag player was Stephen Davis, who ended up becoming you know, the first-ever $100 million man in the NFL. Mm. And then I just went through back-to-back -back franchise tags with Demarcus Lawrence, uh, which ended up with him becoming the highest paid defensive end in NFL history. The franchise tag is an emotional component of this business that very rarely can you prepare a player for. You have to spend a tremendous amount of time showing him what the history of that position and that tag has done. I did it with Paul Solei mm. when he was here mm. on the Miami Dolphins. You know, I've done it with the punter, Todd Sauer, but I've done it many, many times. Uh, and transition tags with Olivier Vernon. And so, obviously, emotions got the better uh, of Twitter today, which they do. I mean, I <laughs> drop a couple F-bombs on Twitter, too, but more politically slanted than right. football slanted. But definitely going after the son of the owner of the team that employs you, even though you're not under contract, you are tagged. Mm -hmm. So the Jaguars, clearly, from what Tony wrote, sounds like they're willing to trade him. If, if, the, if the deal's good enough. And there is precedent for this deal. Shortly after we did DeMarcus's deal last year, Frank Clark was traded from Seattle to Kansas City, and I believe it was for a first and a second. So there is some precedent there. Now, here's the problem. Last year, we had no coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Last year, we had a healthy planet. Yep. Last year, no one said, hey, is there going to be fans in the stands? <laughs> Last year, the owners didn't see 20 or 30 percent of their net worth erased in the global economy lockdown and shutdown. Right. Everybody's lost money. And when you're richer, you've lost even more money. Right. And, except for the guy from Amazon. Um, <laughs> that's the only way we can get our packages. Good point. So except for Jeff Bezos, he's made like 200 billion or whatever the stupid number is. Mm -hmm. So it still, still doesn't pay any taxes. So that's besides the point. We can do that for another political. <laughs> Please. So. So with that said, the owners and the world and the landscape has changed. And, I, and I'll say this. This is the last thing I'll say because obviously I don't represent the player. I left Indianapolis, Indiana on March 1st from the NFL Combine 
on the phone with my guys, Jamie Collins, Von Bell, Benson Mayoa, Kamale Correa. Those were my four bigger guys in the first part of free agency. Pretty stoked. I was pretty hyped up. Mm-hmm. And on March 7th, I was pretty hyped up. Free agency, I think, started March 14th was the tampering window or the 15th, something like that. Mm-hmm. On March 12th, an NBA player tested positive for COVID-19. The stock market dropped 30 or 40%. The global economy shut down. And the owners called up all of their front office people and said, hey, you remember our cash budget was $200 million? <laughs> Bring it back to $150. Yep. Give me that $50 million. Put it in my pocket because I don't know what I'm going to make next year. And, and people don't believe this, but the owners give their front offices and their general managers a cash budget. That's how much cash can you actually spend on acquiring players. And if you look at free agency this year, it was a disaster across the board. Yeah. There were no monster deals. Even Amari Cooper's $100 million deal is only 40, only 40 million, <laughs> only 40 million fully guaranteed over two. All of the big deals that you were told were going to be 17, 18, 20 million a year, there is not one of them. There has not been a 20 plus million dollar a year deal for a non quarterback, except for Amari Cooper at 20. And it's just 20. The Marcus is at 21. There's no defensive end deals that eclipse 18, 19, 20. So when you look at that and you look at the marketplace, maybe the dollars aren't there. So when you're trading for Jan or Yannick, because I shouldn't call him Yannick, I don't know him, maybe giving up a first and a second round pick is doable. But then also on top of that, paying him 21 or 22 or whatever he thinks his number is, is not doable in this economy. And so that was a very, very odd exchange in a public forum that I'm sure both parties wish never happened. Mm, for sure. Um, David, let's uh, wrap it up with this. Um, a couple of minutes, if you don't mind. we got about three or four minutes left, actually, sure. so you'll take it all. Um, <laughs> the, the, the public relationship and private relationship that you have had with uh, Eric Weddle, who, in my mind, is going to go on into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, has really been something to watch through the years because of the relationship that you've had with him, the level that he played on, Pro Bowls, uh, and and finally, last year, uh, decided to call it a career. Uh, you know, David, when I, when I ask you about Eric Weddle, I know that it must mean a lot, but I, I'd like you to talk, if you wouldn't mind, for a couple of minutes as we wrap up, just that that relationship, that agent-player relationship that you have had with him and what it's going to be like in the future, knowing that when you go visit NFL stadiums, he's not going to be playing anymore. There's Eric Weddle right there. There he is. That's my, my, my buddies in Mexico make all these luchadores out of wood. Yeah. This is hand-carved out of wood. We did this last year. We never ended up getting the rights to sell it. But hold on, maybe I can put Eric on my head in the last minute. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been an incredible run. You know, uh, I was lucky enough to get him as a college player and, and be a part of his future and be at the draft with him. We did a TV show for an old network that's, that no longer exists, which is on YouTube. You can watch me run up to him and slap him really hard uh, when the Chargers traded up for him and then went through the lockout season. A lot of people don't know that. Eric Weddle was one of the few free agents that got a multi-year deal done. Uh, right after the lockout, 2011, he signed his $40 million deal uh, over five years with the Chargers and then played that out and then ended up going to Baltimore, which was an incredible three years there and, and got cut. You know, for the first time in his career, got cut. He'd never been cut before. 
And then this last year in LA, I think was probably not what either of us envisioned it uh, to be. We really thought that the, the Rams were going to be the team to help him get a ring. And I think he'll be like many other players that, that retire from the NFL and always kind of wish that they got the ring. Um, but he left an incredible impact on so many of our clients that we represent now, DEC management clients. You know, Team DEC is real. You know, Eric Weddle will literally get on a plane or get on the phone. He'll fly guys to work out with him. He's going to always be a huge part of my career and my personal life. He's my closest friend. You know, we talk almost every single day. Uh, his kids and my kids kind of grew up together, even though they're in San Diego. He still lives out there, and I live here in Fort Lauderdale. We, we couldn't be further apart. But it, it's been an incredible run for a Jewish kid from New Jersey uh, to represent a, a Mormon guy from Southern California. And obviously, it, it continues with my tradition at Utah. You know, we have a few guys, three different guys from the University of Utah this year. We've got a guy from BYU in the draft this year. Uh, and it's always fascinating and, and fun to go out there and see how the university treats him and how they respect him and the younger generation, how they look up to him. Um, and God willing, I pray that he does get into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, I, I expect to be there with bells on. Uh, I think first up, hopefully, is the College Football Hall of Fame and then the yeah. NFL yeah. Hall of Fame. And obviously, Utah you know, will eventually, hopefully, honor him. They don't retire jerseys. They've got some good players. You know, people don't know this. Utah, Steve Smith, Alex Smith, Jordan Gross, Eric Weddle. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm missing five or six other guys, but they've got some some monsters that have played at that program. And and now uh, every year, Utah this year could have 12 guys get drafted yep. in this draft. I mean, it's they're loaded. And so incredible coaching staff there. And obviously, Eric, you know, bringing me back to that school. I actually represented Mike Anderson from there in 2000, uh, who was the rookie of the year running back. Um, and sure. so, you know, Eric's my brother from another mother, and uh, I owe him everything and, and love him to death and wish I could give him a big hug. And unfortunately, he's quarantined in California, and I'm quarantined here in Florida. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's been really, you know, fun to watch. I mean, I'm rooting for you all these years and seeing, uh, you know, all the guys that you represent, but it always comes back to him, and it's always been so interesting to see how that is. Well, listen, uh, David, good luck with Bradley and I, and good luck with yeah. all of the players that you have in the upcoming NFL draft. Thanks for really uh, spending a lot of time with us here on the show. And uh, we hope to have you back after the draft to see how it went. Thanks again. Thanks guys so much. Appreciate you very much. Stay safe. All right. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter Can at you David Cantor. Craig Mish bobbleheads. Cause I'd love to, oh, I'd love stop. to actually work with that. I really would. I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah, it's a luchador. It wasn't the even luchador. It's a luchador, it's a Joe. luchador. Yeah, Come on, one Joe. Of those. I, I need a Mish luchador. Look at that thing. Yeah. The hair, the hair is probably about I the same. So that's, How that's cool is that? Out. I love yeah. it. <laughs> All right. We got to take a break. We'll be back Bye, with guys. fantasy sports today, right here on sports grid. And uh, lots more to come with the NFL Draft, of course, on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We'll be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you. 
Because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show as we got you up until 1 o'clock on the East. And Joe, it's time to take a look at our iconic football stadiums, iconic baseball stadiums, hockey. We cover it all for you here on the show. That's right. Pretty much have uh, run out of just about everything else. We're running out of stadiums. But hey, there's still a couple left. Um, and today's right. actually are two very uh, important ones to uh, for a lot of reasons. Now I'm I'm trying to find ones that I think that you've been to before. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that the first one that we have today, there's a good shot that you have attended a game in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, more than one. Yes, absolutely. Yes. one of my favorites. Yes. Okay, so we're uh, we're we're taking we're taking out the Sooners today. We're talking mm-hmm. Oklahoma football. Okay, so. Now, the the name of the stadium now is called Gaylord Family Oklahoma Stadium in Norman, Oklahoma. Of course, this is the home of the Sooners. And they opened up this stadium in 1923. And I was really honestly staggered a little bit with the amount of championships that Oklahoma has won. Because we've been through a lot of these iconic schools. And it's two championships. It's three. It's four. But they've won seven national championships. So I, I was really impressed with seeing that number. Of course, we'll go through the players in a minute. But, Joe, uh, what is your experience like being in that stadium? It I've was, never been there. It, No, it was great. Actually, uh, the first time I went there, I was almost uh, arrested um, from oh. the OU police because I was. Uh, I happened to be taking a uh, – I had to go to the bathroom uh, on a tree. Oh, one of those. On yeah. the campus, and uh, apparently wearing an OSU um, gear was not the best way to go about it. So uh, he did want to write me a ticket, but ultimately, um, thank goodness we knew a few people and we were able to get out of that. But uh, this stadium, the fans, and it uh, it rocked. Now, when I went to OSU, like nobody went to Oklahoma. It was terrible. Like, so my first experience when I went to Oklahoma was like, wow, do they love football here? Like, they are a football factory. And basically anybody who didn't get a scholarship to OU or UT pretty much went to Oklahoma State. So I I was understanding the dynamic there. But uh, the place rocks, absolutely rocks. Yeah, and and look, the last 20 years have gone very well for Mm -hmm. them. It doesn't matter who's coaching or who's playing. And uh, we'll go through all of those players and all through those championships as well. So, all right, so let's start it off here. And our first one is uh, Leroy Selman, Pro Football Hall of Famer, College Football Hall of Famer. Yep. And a great player for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, passed away many years ago. was very sad to see that. I was a really big fan, Joe, of Leroy Selman. Uh, Had a a lot to do with sports in Tampa, a lot Mm -hmm. to do with the University of South Florida getting a football program there. I think he was the athletic director there for a while as well. 
and then uh, and then passed away. But I was very happy to put him at the top of the list. A lot of people think that he was one of the best defensive players actually of all time. He really was. I mean, there's really nothing not to like. I mean, he was just unbelievable in the era that he played for sure. Yeah, and his brother Dewey Selman also played for Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. uh, the picture there, everyone uh, may not remember. It has been a while. It's kind of sad how we're moving out of the 80s eras and 90s eras. But, uh, man, those those games where Brian Bosworth was was playing, this guy was something, man. Yes. I mean, he was just so ridiculously good. And I know that his NFL career didn't work out, but... Very, it's not very often that you get a player in college football, Joe, that's a defensive player that everyone puts yep. that television on and wants to watch. And he yep. was that guy. He, he was, was a guy. much better uh, businessman than he was an actual NFL player. Actor? He was, yes, he was, uh, he was really, really, he was very smart. He was a very street savvy, smart kind of guy, especially when he got into the NFL. He knew how to, uh, he knew how to sell his image and profit from it, shall we say, but he could not play a lick in the NFL, guys. I mean, he just no. he was exposed in the NFL. But he why was that? Why do you think that money. was? He wasn't half the football player that he was at OU. I mean, OU, they were a lot of um, – that was the Switzer days where, right. you know, they had a quarterback busted, uh, you know, for selling drugs. They had a lot of things going on uh, back in those days. That well, they you think he in. was just like too – just a big muscle dude and it just he yeah. wasn't really a football player? Is that – yeah, there. I, I encourage people to go to YouTube and look up uh, when he met Bo Jackson on no the matter. football field for the first time. And then he was really never right after that. Uh, it was kind of crazy. Uh, he had shoulder uh, problems, too, as well. But uh, loved him in college. Terrible in the NFL. Yeah, very likable guy yeah. as well. Uh, Billy Sims, one of the best college football running backs of all time. Heisman Trophy Award winner there. Man, good career with the Lions. Hard-hitting defensive back Roy Williams had a yep. solid career in the NFL as well. Uh, played at Oklahoma. I believe Roy Williams was pretty good in the NFL. I think yep. we'd, we'd all say that. Jerry, Sam Jerry. Jerry loved yeah. him. Yep. Sam Bradford, another Heisman Trophy Award winning quarterback for, uh, for Oklahoma there. And then, of course, we cap it off with Adrian Peterson, who, you know, I, I mean, some people thought that, you know, maybe he – should have stayed a little bit longer uh, at Oklahoma. Had some injuries mm -hmm. there, but I, I mean, look, put together what's going to inevitably be, uh, and a, I would say a Pro Football Hall of Fame career for sure. So, yep. anybody from uh, from that era that rings your bell a little well, bit? I there? can't believe you didn't yeah. put on Landry Jones. Um, I can't That's believe well, yep, Landry was there. Also, uh, it's well, I mean, you go to Baker, you go with all the current uh, OU players that are actually in there. A lot of them tend to have. Uh, Samari Pirine, I believe, was uh, Samari Pirine was running also back. running yeah. back. Um, the other guy, Demarco Murray, was an. Demarco one. Murray was a name that I have here. Amazing. Heifel um, won the, I believe, didn't Heifel win the? You know what? That's not about his name too. Right? Didn't he? Yeah. 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 Now he's, I believe, is at uh, UCF. Now he's the yes. head coach. Yeah, UCF. Yes. He's the head coach. So, a um, couple of another Do you guys. Think that do you think Kyler Murray should be here? No, not yet. Not yet. Although his college he had one career. college football season. Yeah, right? that was it. Essentially, and it the, I mean, yeah. maybe a season and a half. But look, no, he was awesome. As he good was. as any quarterback has ever been for one year. That's correct. 
It's, it's kind of hard for me to put guys on this list that have only played one year in college. I agree with you there. I absolutely agree with you there. I do think uh, Joe Mixon played there too, didn't he, Mixon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mixon uh, played there. Marcus Dupree back in the day, D.D. Westbrook. I mean, you can go down the list here, guys. There is some. There are some guys that played some uh, some serious football here. And that era with Sims and Bosworth, that all uh, Barry Switzer era there, and I'd have to put Barry Switzer as the coach, wouldn't you? Uh, I don't know about Bob Stoops. Oh, that's right. Stoops came in and just, yeah, forgot about Stoops. Kind of hard to forget about Stoops, but Switzer kind of gave him that bad boy. Switzer kind of uh, started it, and then, uh, you know, Stoops kind of came in, put a, a nicer image on it, and then... This coach now is good, too, though. Lincoln Riley, I think he's good also. I think he's going to be overrated like Kyler Murray. Okay. Yeah, he's all right. Although, listen, I mean, if you're a quarterback, if I'm a quarterback, right, where you, your son wants to play football, right? He can go anywhere in the country to play quarterback. Don't you want him going to OU? I mean, who else are you going He's to? Kinda, I mean, look at Jalen Hurts. He yeah. goes from Alabama to Oklahoma, and I mean, I don't understand why more people aren't talking about him in the NFL draft. That guy's good. He was think, really good at Oklahoma last year, really good at Alabama. Think about those quarterbacks that, that he's pumped out there over the last couple of years. Like, if your son wants to play quarterback, he's good. you're going to go Oklahoma. Just go to Oklahoma. You're going to get a ticket or at least get drafted into the NFL and see where it goes from Absolutely. there. But it's kind of crazy they become, in the Big 12, a football, a, a quarterback factory. It's nuts. No defense, all offense. Zero. And, and we know that going into the, the college football season, Oklahoma is going to win a lot of games. Yep. But one game, some team is going to score 50 points on them, and they're going to lose. And I mean, that's exactly that's the going Big 12 the problem. And that's the Big 12. But, yeah, I'm with, it's uh, let your son go play under Lincoln Riley if he wants to be a quarterback, folks. Sure. Yep. All right, so that's our first stadium of the day. We're going to move over to baseball for our, our second one today. And we're actually going to go to a recent stadium or a more recent stadium that gives us about a good 20, 30 years of baseball. And, and believe it or not, basketball as well. I was surprised by this, but our producer, Brett Levy, was like, hey, uh, don't forget that the Blue Jays were not the only team mm -hmm. that played in the Rogers Center, a.k.a. Skydome. That's I did not correct. know that. Yes. So I, I completely forgot. But they opened up in 1989. It was one of the gorgeous first big retractable domes. Yes. In that they built there in Toronto, home of the Blue Jays. Of course, two World Series championships back-to-back, -back, and they really piled on the Hall of Famers on that team. They had Jack Morris. They had uh, Joe Carter. They had Dave Winfield. They had Paul Molitor. They had Roberto Alomar. It was like they just the Blue Jays assembled all of these veterans for a two-year period, and they kind of shocked the world there. Now, I've never been, Joe, to this stadium, I must say. I've never, never been to uh, Rogers Center. Have you? I have, and actually, um, kid, I uh, actually grew up with and played uh, uh, played high school ball with, and actually dated his sister. Uh, Frank Catalanato played there for a long time. Oh, so, yeah. I know. Oh, so, oh, that's interesting. So, I didn't yeah, know. I, from Smithtown, Long Island. Uh, right? I know him very well. Yeah, know the whole family very well. So yeah, we went up there and uh, and had a chance to uh, uh, to get to hang out with him when he was playing there. It's it was the most oh, unique cool. stadium ever i mean that you had been to where you're like this is so like the, if there's a hotel you want to go i mean now it's like we look at it and it's like oh okay but when that first thing first opened up man the rogers center was not to mention it's a corporate owned place guys toronto could buy any player they wanted to honestly right. if they if they could but they just they don't spend the money not because they don't have it 
Uh, but that place, that building was kind of the first of its kind. It was so unique. Yeah. All right. So let's go through the players. Oh, I can't wait to see who you got Toronto here. Blue Jays uh, history. Now, again, this is only from 1989 through now. Oh. And there really haven't been any great players, by the way, for the Blue Jays, I would say, the last few years. Maybe they'll have some iconic players coming up. Maybe Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Bo Bichette or somebody along those lines may end up being great. But uh, for the time being, these are all players that essentially play in the 90s and then some early right. 2000s as well. Check them out. Oh, all right. look at that. you got Roberto Alomar at the top, played a few years there. He won the World Series with them, and so did Joe Carter. Uh, Joe Carter has that, of course, game-winning home run in Game 6 of the World Series against Mitch Williams. People forget how good Pat Henkin was for a long period of time. This guy was like wow. a 20-game winner every single year for them. We, of good course, point. we have Roy Halladay mm -hmm. in the early part of his career, now a Hall of Famer, and passed away very sadly. But Halladay's got to be on this list as well. Yep. Uh, Carlos Delgado played for a decade with the Blue Jays, hitting bombs constantly, played in that steroid era. But you know, certainly Delgado was a force for a long period of time with Toronto. And then Vernon Wells had a really good uh, Blue Jays career as well. There are some people who say, oh, you know, what about Tony Fernandez and some of the other players from the 80s? But again, Roger Center did not open up until 1989. Right, so, right. Uh, yeah. we'll, go well, Carter that. was there. That's right. Joe Carter and Alomar have to be there for uh, for sure. So we've uh, got to put guys on the World Series yeah, team. Absolutely. I, if some guys forget that, uh, you know, Clemens pitched there too, didn't he? For a, Clemens did. Yeah, right? a couple he of years. Two couple years. Of years. I think he won a Cy Young with them yep. as well. Yeah, uh, I think he, you're right. I think he did win the Cy Young. Winner. That's right. So I don't. Was that Rogers Center? That was, um, or was it? Just I think before? it would have had to be. Yeah, it would have yeah. had to been. But, but been. I, don't, I don't know about a year or two. Right. If yeah, that was enough to you. make him. Yep. I'm with yeah, you there. Him. And and again, Alomar Carter Henkin mm -hmm. won a World Series with the Blue Jays too. It'd be much crazy to think that no one since Vernon Wells really shows up on a list like this. I mean, that crazy. tells you where the Blue Jays have been over the yep. last ten years. <laughs> That's so true too. They had a bunch Not of fringe players too. You know what I mean? Over the years, they had some guys that were um, they were just synonymous they, with Toronto, yeah. but they weren't. They got Tulowitzki at one point. Yeah. They thought that he was going to be the answer there. That didn't really work out. Yep. And their pitching has always been an issue. They had R.A. Dickey, if you remember. They brought him in from the New York Mets. I'm a little shocked that one guy did not make this list, though. I mean, to be honest with you here. Dave Steve? Yeah, you know it, man. How did you not? I mean, that was Mr. Blue Jay for a long Dave time. Dave Steve only played two or three years. Come on, really? All, all of his old days were in the old Blue Jay Stadium, man. Oh, they were in the old Blue Jay Stadium. Okay, gotcha. All right. I'm trying to keep it real with the stadium. Devin White, didn't he play? He was actually... Uh, oh, Devon White. Yeah, yeah Devon White. Man, he was yeah. a strange player, too, though. He should have been way better than he was. And I, I just always thought Marlins he would World be... Marlins World Series champion. Yeah, and I, I always thought he was going to have a much better career than he did. So, very strange. Yeah, probably have a lot of baseball cards in the show. Uh, remember it well. All right, so I, I did not realize that the Raptors, or I forgot the Raptors, played... And so, Brett Levy, thanks to our producer today, coming through and saying, hey, let's do some iconic Raptors players that played in the old Rogers uh, Center Stadium. Okay, let, let's, let, let's do that as well. So, uh, we got Vince Carter, Damon Stoudemire, Marcus Camby. The originals. Yeah, they just brought those jerseys back, too. But that's, uh, that's one of the original crews when it, uh, when it first, came, uh, first came out. Remember, Vince Carter was uh, forever there. Man, that was that franchise... Uh, it's been through a while. It's hard to believe. We forget when they won last year, but um, they've been around for a long, long time. And before they, they had that arena, that's right. Good call by Yeah, I uh, completely agree. Brett. Yeah, Brett, Brett's the one who came up with this today, so let's give him some credit. Yep, very uh, nice. 
T-Mac, uh, Tracy McGrady is also uh, on a mm-hmm. list such as this. Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Brett provided too. me all these names. In Very opinion. nice, uh, Brett, Doug yes. Christie. Uh, Gary Trent. He gave me Gary Trent. Wow. Like, Brett, you, you came through by making sure that I didn't mis- make a mistake on the show. But with all due respect to you, Gary Trent is not making any list. Really Hold wouldn't on. have put him on. Uh, that. Well, he'd have made a list, but not shouldn't be on these lists. But and then yes, he I'm says we you. should bring up John Wallace also. Oh, yeah. David yeah, Wells. We <laughs> Didn't he play for Toronto? Wasn't he a Yankee? He was. There you go. He was a Yankee. <laughs> they didn't play there for that long, though. How long did they play there? Eight. Uh, with this stadium right now? Yeah, with Rogers Center. 89. 89. Okay, so it was just that one year. Before they broke up. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, people forget the Blue Jays won two back to they went back to back World Series champions. Like all that people in Philly like, remember. They do. They do. That game with that game was on TV the other day. Was it really? They, oh like, Mitch. Yeah, they were showing an old game. Anybody game. ever heard from Mitch since? Anybody? No? Uh, really? Oh, Not really. Yeah. They were the better team though, Toronto. Were, oh yeah, for sure. Look, Phillies were like a bunch of misfits at that exactly. time. That, that's where Lenny Dykstra made yep. his name on Philly. Croc. John Croc. Yeah, and all those guys. Or chilling. Yeah, Schilling, that's right. Dalton was on. It was just, they were a mess. That whole team was a mess. But they were good because yeah. they just didn't care, and they played real loose, and that was yeah. it. But uh, yeah. Joe Carter and that team was crazy. Yeah, walk-off shot. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll uh, take a quick timeout. When we come back, latest NFL draft odds courtesy of FanDuel. Ooh. We'll dive into that next. Just another reminder, make sure you tune in to us on Thursday night. We'll be live from 8 p.m. until the draft ends, and then on Friday night, at 7 p.m. right here on SportsGrid.com. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood... We bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Craig Mitchell along with Joe Ranieri with you here on the show. We are closing in on NFL Draft Thursday. Boy, I do wish there was Major League Baseball. I can't tell you how much I'm missing it. It stinks. I can't cover it. I can't watch it. Yeah. It's what I do, and it's brutal. But I got to tell you, Joe, I am excited that we have something, something on Thursday. Yes. Uh, to me, point. the draft and the NFL offseason is the most overblown thing of all time and it always is. But for this year, I'm mm-hmm. going to take it, I'm going to embrace it, and I'm going to love it 
because we got nothing else to do. And, and you know, it always burns me the fact that the NFL drafts like right and smack in the middle of the beginning of the baseball season. And of course, a lot more people pay attention to the NFL draft and all of these experts come out of nowhere. They've never seen these guys mm-hmm. play in college. They don't watch Saturday college football. Mm-hmm. To me, Joe, it's people like you oh. and and the smartest people in the world. I'm saying this is a positive. It's people like you who have bet on sports and watch these guys. And when I say their name in college football, you know who they are. Yeah, absolutely. You may have won or lost money on them, but it's the yep. people that have never watched a cent of college football. Yep. They jump in, and it's like, I've been watching these YouTube, ta- YouTube tapes. Let me tell you, that does not tell the story. The Combine does not tell the story. Um, I love college football. I watch it every single year. Mm-hmm. I watch it every single week. I participate, uh, Joe, this past year. I've been in the, uh, the Super Contest right. the last four years. This past year, uh, me and Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm, we got in the Golden right. Nugget College Football Contest as well. And? We had a pretty good year. I, I think I'll have to check the – I mean, we were over 50%. Okay. I don't know exactly what. But it was like between somewhere between 50 and 60% for the season. And in the Golden Nugget Contest, you pick seven games. Right. And you can pick up you know as many colleges as you want. We usually do four college, three pro, or five college, two pro. We, we had a really good year, mm-hmm. and, and and this is how I know all these guys that are in the draft. Now, look, when we get to around five, six, and seven, Joe, I don't know anybody. It's a different okay? story, right? Like, exactly. like, like every once in a while, there'll be a player. I'll be like, oh, I know him because he mm-hmm. played for the Gators, or he played for FSU, or he right. played for FIU, or something like that. Right. But uh, the majority of the first couple round picks, I, I feel like I have a good opinion on and a strong opinion on. And people always say to me, well, Craig, then why don't you talk about it more? It's like, well, because it's baseball season during that time. Yeah, and it's that's like, correct. That, yes. That's like, that's like. My core audience, for the most part, honestly, mm-hmm. is baseball. But for 2020, Joe, I'm right there with you. I'm all in All right. on the draft this weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'll be part of the coverage as well. And we're doing this really for the first time from a betting perspective. Yep. And unlike a lot of uh, different broadcast entities in the country, and I understand what, you know, respectfully, it's, it's very hard, we are going to be live on Thursday night. So I'm praying that the draft goes well. I'm praying for you, my friend, <laughs> that the draft goes well as well. Yes. And um, let's dive into some odds, shall we? I um, like all of it. I mean, it's, uh, the guys you, uh, the roster that you've got pulled up over here is very interesting. You want to go running back or wide receiver first? Where do you want to start uh, let's with? Start, let's, let's, start, let's start with the running backs, a couple of them. And by the way, all of these odds are real. You can log yes. on to the FanDuel Sportsbook. These are legitimate. If you live in New Jersey or West Virginia yep. or Indiana, or I think there's a couple other places. Mm-hmm. But I know for sure in those places, if you have an account with FanDuel, pop on there. They've got the odds live on there. Unfortunately, yep. when I live in Florida, so we can't. But um, here is the odds. We'll start off with Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. Uh, the over-under, FanDuel has his draft position at 37.5, which puts him, of course, in the early second round. The over is minus 126. The under is minus 102. We know that teams do not value running backs. The other thing that we know is that Wisconsin, through the years, Joe, they pound out these running backs. They put them in the NFL. Eh, and they don't always turn out to be so great because, obviously, Wisconsin does churn out offensive linemen probably better than any school in the country. Jonathan Taylor over 37 and a half, a little bit less value than the under 37 and a half. Where do you think Taylor gets drafted? I, I, I got to tell you, as far as like the fits and the teams, this is something that's just going to eventually come to me while I'm watching the draft. But I feel like if anything, I would think that any running back I would bet on going later in the draft than earlier. Yeah, I do think the second and third round is going to be the uh, where the bulk of the 
position players, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, that kind of situation there. I think that's where most of them will begin to go off the board. I happen to love uh, Jonathan Taylor. He's not okay. your, yeah, he's not your typical uh, running back out of uh, out of Wisconsin. He's not Ron Dane. He's not right. one of these guys. He, uh, number one, is a track star uh, also while he was at uh, Wisconsin. So his speed is unbelievable. He's also a pretty tough runner that never missed a game, never missed a practice, was never hurt. Conditioning is phenomenal. And I think he's a versatile enough back uh, there. I mean, they did a lot of eye formation, run him into uh, behind the line. But this is a guy that's got some speed, some moves, never been hurt. Love the fact that he is uh, a little seasoned, so to speak, where he had to run the ball at Wisconsin. And uh, right. I, I think he'd be a great addition. I, I think he's going to go in the second round. And okay. outside, I, to me, if it was me, I'd take him over DeAndre Swift. Okay. Um, I would not. I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of, of Swift than Swift? I am Jonathan Taylor. But to give you an idea as to maybe potentially some landing spots for mm-hmm. Taylor, uh, the Lions have the 35th overall pick in the draft. They have, of course, on Johnson, who was yep. hurt for a large portion of last year. So, again, um, that would fall in uh, to right 35 right. as a possibility there. Um, other teams that have – and, by the way, they also have the 37th pick in the draft, the Lions. They so, do. Um, you would think – I mean, that seems to be you know, you know, a possibility for the fit. If he didn't go to one of those two teams, who are we talking about a little bit later? The Dolphins pick at yep. 39. Um, the Houston Texans – I don't care what they say about David Johnson. They're still going to end up drafting a running back. Yep. Uh, the Houston Texans pick at 40. And um, Jacksonville picks at 42 yep. if they end up moving um, Fournette. And they're going to need – they're going to – all of those teams. And, again, I think that second, third round, get ready because there's going to be a run on these players. Okay. So, all right. So let's, this guy. Yeah, this guy here especially. Yeah, uh, this is a, a strange one because Dobbins – I'm not sure about this guy. I got to tell you. I'm, I got to be honest. I – He's like a bowling ball type running back. And he, he reminds you know, the positive for me is he reminds me a lot of Mark Ingram. Yes. But the negative is, is that, uh, you know, like he's got to go into a situation where I think he's going to be splitting. Like, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a big pass catching guy coming right. out of Ohio State. So it's more of just a running back. But I guess that's a more, it's in my fantasy hat is coming on now as opposed to the reality. But uh, here's the total 44 and a half, second round, minus 142 on the over. Minus 112 on the under. The the range, Joe, is very similar to what we just talked about. We got Jacksonville picking at 42. We got all those Detroit picks earlier than that. Uh, the other team that could potentially take a shot, and this is after pick 44, would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. They have pick they have pick 45. So that would be a potential spot for him for them as well. Even though the Falcons uh, have Todd Gurley, they pick right. at 47. So, um, you know, certainly another opportunity there. And um, yep. the Steelers pick at 49. Yeah, I um, I think this guy, I, I like Dobbins from the standpoint of I think he's a hard-nosed runner. I think he's a tough runner. He's shown his ability to be able to uh, catch balls out of the backfield. There's been uh, some rumors that the Bills are really interested in him uh, right around that second, um, uh, around the second, um, second round okay. in the draft. Okay, l- 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 let me cut you off here. D- Go ahead. Did you get? Did you get the sense at any point two years ago mm-hmm. or last year that Dobbins was going to be a first round pick in the NFL draft? Did you not know, until a f- first round? No. 
I, I never got the sense until the last four or five games of last college football season that Dobbins could be a potential player in the draft. Like, right. I never got that feeling watching Ohio State play. Yeah. Uh, their quarterback, I did. Right. Their, quarter, their quarterback on fields, I did. But I never really got that sense. Now, Dobbins put up a hell of a fight against Clemson. He kept coming in and out of the game. And, you know, look, he was fantastic in that game. And he was fantastic. He's a workhorse. Yeah, well. he was a workhorse. But, yeah. I, but, I, but I am not in on on this player so uh i am gonna say that he go what what is the when we say over 44 and a half that means later in the draft is that is that right that's correct i'd be even willing to say that there's a good chance well you think swift's gonna go first uh i I think i do i think dobbins is going to be i think there is a team early in the second round i think so i don't think so just because of the workhorse like and again when you there's something about you know eddie george went to ohio state same type That's of true. situation there where if it's a different game kind, then too. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. But again, he was the workhorse, much like Taylor in Wisconsin. These two guys carried uh, Ohio State, carried them, especially when it meant the, uh, you know, when it yeah, meant but, the most. But Taylor was great as a junior, and, and, yeah, and I remember him playing. And, yep. you know, it's like, I, it, it scares me. And, mm-hmm. and again, I don't know what. If I had to bet on both these guys, it would be overs with both of them because NFL running backs, uh, you know, they yeah. just they slip in drafts. But in terms of just the success, I get very scared of players mm-hmm. because I watch a lot of college football that really don't enter my awareness or my mind until yep. the very end of their careers. Yep. Like it just, I mean, look, there's there, you could, it could they could always be late bloomers, and I get that. But if they have only done it for a year or even less, I'm a pass on that. But mm-hmm. uh, either way, look, some team may take a shot certainly on him, and the projection is 44. The FanDuel is not making these lines to lose money. So uh, yeah. 37 and a half for Taylor, 44 and a half for Dobbins. Now let's move over to wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And we have Jerry Judy of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm. And he's going to be taken in the first round for sure. His total is 12 and a half. Yep. And the over is minus uh, 120. The under, which I think, Joe, you and I discussed already, we both agree that this is probably a, a solid feeling, like a solid under at 12 and a half. But, man, you got to lay some juice here at minus 154 on FanDuel. No, I mean, if you believe what uh, what we've been told is that Denver is going to move up to go get a wide receiver. And Denver is at 15. The Jets are at 11. Uh, How is he getting past the Jets? There's no way. Unless somebody moves in front of them uh, to get him. And that's the only thing where Cleveland has said they're open for business at number 10. So if Denver really, really wants him, it'll be interesting to see. But again, we're going under the assumption it's Judy uh, that people want. And there's an awful lot of money out there right now on rugs going before anybody uh, if they're looking for that style of receiver, like a, uh, you know, like like everything that uh, that Kansas City does, they kind of set the bar. But again, you got to have Mahomes uh, in order to be able to execute that. Yeah, no, I, I, to me, Judy is the best receiver in the draft, and yeah. you know, I'm just going off not film. I'm going by watching games. You know, like yeah. I, I've watched him play. He's and- the be- he's six one. He, he's what he does better than anybody else is his yards after the catch. His ability to make that first guy miss, his ability to be able to get off the line. He's the best route runner in the draft. He's a guy that can play the slot. He can play outside. Ruggs is a burn. Ruggs is, you know, he's Tyreek Hill. That's what he is. Yeah. That's going to work for some teams. That's not going to work for others. Yeah. And look, Judy, even with 
you know, the quarterback switching around last year because Tua was hurt for a period right. of time. I mean, how do you ignore this number? 24 touchdowns the last two years in college. Yeah, it's crazy. From it's, this guy. It's absolutely I mean, crazy. And, and not and listen, Alabama yeah. plays an SEC schedule in, mm-hmm. and in, in what's supposed to be a running league. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you, listen, there's some talk that Miami moves up, too, and uh, they get Tua, and they go get uh, Judy, too, as well. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, now let's let's move on to the final. Uh, Listen, Chris Greer could retire if he's able to pull out and walks out with Tua and Judy in this draft in the first. Seriously, pick, seriously, you win, like, dude. You win. You wouldn't feel like what's the over on the Dolphins' win total? <laughs> well, actually, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe not though. Uh, you win Tua the probably draft. Play. I'll tell you that. You win the draft. <laughs> yeah, we all love offense. Yep. All right, Ceedee Lamb from Oklahoma. I like Judy better than Lamb. I've been clear on that, but. Uh, over uh, 12 and a half, same thing, same number FanDuel's putting out because essentially they're grading out the same, at least in, from speculation standpoint. So we'll be wrong about something. Maybe this is the one we're wrong about. But very similar numbers in terms of him to uh, Judy. Uh, the over 12 and a half is plus 112. So you're getting a little value there, risking 100 bucks to win $112. And the under is uh, 12 and a half minus 142. And I, I would say that this is a little bit of a coin flip kind of deal based on what we just talked about with Judy. I would guess, Joe, that one of these two are not hitting the under and one will, right? Like, you just have to figure out which one. Is, does that sound well, fair? It's, it's basically the Raiders is what they're saying right here, that the Jets are at 11, Raiders are right. at 12. Yeah. So if Judy is uh, 12 and a half and, you know, Lamb is 12 and a half, they're basically saying that's, that's it, guys. It's going to be 11 and 12. Uh, if the Raiders go quarterback, then Tampa's not going to go wide receiver. So he might fall. One of these two might actually fall even further back. So uh, look, you know, the over at 12 and a half, because it ain't going to be Tampa. They're going to go offensive line. And the 49ers, you just don't know what they're going to do. So um, one of these two, whether Lamb or Judy, if they do fall, there's going to be a payday in the over there. Yeah, no, I'm 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 curious about this one because again, I'm I'm more of a Judy fan than yep. I am a Lamb fan. So um, all right, yeah. so that kind of covers us. Like one of them is going to be pushed down. Yeah. Um, one of them has is going to be. be available. It has to be. Yeah, yep. it, it has to be. That's just the, the yep. way that this always works out. So uh, again, Thursday night for those of you who watch us live, all you got to do is click on SportsGrid.com, and for about four hours, you're going to see my big head. Pretty much. Uh, blabbering about mm-hmm. things. You're going to see Joe uh, talking. All of the hosts here on Sports Grid. Mm-hmm. We are putting together a spectacular draft preview show for you. Boom. And an actual live draft show for you on Thursday and Friday. And then, of course, we'll have recaps on Saturday and Sunday. So I am very much looking forward to doing that with you. But, of course, uh, tomorrow's show we'll be back here mm-hmm. still c- taking care of business, covering it all. Maybe we'll have some updated baseball news. There was a story yesterday that uh, the governor of Florida spoke with the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. Yep. So we're going to have to keep a very close eye on that. And mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll continue to update you on all the latest that's going on in both fantasy and reality. And, of course, here... Uh, as sports wagering. So, uh, Joe, yep. Thursday night, we're uh, we're looking forward to it. I'm waiting for my specific assignment. You send it over to me, and I'll be ready to go. I'm okay? ready to do it. Get ready to start breaking it down, man. It's uh, it's. I don't know what's going to happen after draft day, but it's definitely going to be the draft <laughs> all week long. For sure, for sure. All right, uh, stay tuned. Uh, coming up a little bit later, Scott Farrell's taking you coast to coast. He's got you. And then, of course, in-game live, Joe is back tomorrow morning. 
with the early line, and then you've got the morning after. So hope you guys have a great day, great night, whenever you're watching the show. Really appreciate it. Everyone stay safe out there. Stay healthy for sure. For my co-host, Joe Ranieri, I'm Craig Mish. Also, thanks to our producer, uh, Brett, and, of course, Danny, our, uh, the great people that we have working on the show. They're doing a phenomenal job keeping you guys in the loop as to what we are covering and making yep. us look really good. Have a great night, everybody. We'll be back here tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, for another edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Have a great one. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.